Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I'm Mark. I'm your host. Uh, So happy you've joined me for this week's episode. So a lot moving uh, this week, especially late in the week, um, as the president made some announcements about his COVID protocols and what he feels, uh, what he wants and what he's going to do to help combat the, the pandemic that we're in and the second wave that we're seeing through this process. Now, again, I'm going to start with the fact that I really do my best to not be political. Don't want to be. This is about safety. This is about each of us. It's about what is protecting us. It's about the workplace and the challenges that we all go through as safety professionals. Because one of the first things, quick tangent, I'm sorry. One of the first things that uh, as a safety professional, you kind of feel or can feel is alone and on an island. A lot of companies, sometimes you're the only one. Sometimes you only interact with your corporate entity when it's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> when it's an audit, so you feel like you're you're in a losing battle right off the bat. And the truth is you're not alone. What you're feeling, what you're experiencing, good and bad, happens to all of us. We're all in it together. We're all having to deal with it together. And so now we have a new challenge ahead of us, uh, one that we weren't sure how we were going to compare to it, not sure how we were going to answer to it. I know in the peak of the last pandemic, it was almost like stock letters would go out to OSHA like, okay, we've had another complaint about COVID-19. Here is everything we're doing in response to it. Uh, And it was pretty lengthy because we were doing quite a bit of due diligence. And so a lot of companies have that ability that they're doing that. And again, a lot of it is OSHA can't keep up. So let me, before I just keep rambling, let's jump into this. So on Thursday, so just a few days ago, um, very aggressive vaccine push, basically saying that federal employees, federal contractors, healthcare workers and facilities um, must show proof of vaccination. There is no option for having testing. You will be vaccinated. Um, or for any industry or business that's private that's outside of doing work with federal or not involved in the healthcare world, employees will have the option to either be vaccinated and show proof of it, uh, that to have it on file, or submit to weekly testing. Now, it was a day later that uh, the president came back out and said, okay, I'm going to empower OSHA to do this. So now... Ah, it's back on the plate of the safety professional. 
And, and the statistics are showing some pretty optimistic looks at those that are and are not vaccinated. And basically, the problem is that, again, OSHA is very understaffed, has been for years. Declination, um, one of the one of the metrics that's out there uh, talks about the, the declination and the availability of OSHA being able to keep up with this and their ability to be able to handle this. But if they were able and, and were starting the process of looking to it as they think they will be, it's going to be a serious penalty of up to 13,000 uh, per violation. So if there's multiple people or not doing it, there could be a significant fine involved. Um, talks about the steady decline in OSHA staffing and that there's only one inspector for every 83,000 workers. So it would take some time for all of this to work out. And of course, it's not settled. Just by saying I want OSHA to do something doesn't mean that they can run out and start doing it. They're going to have to develop some protocols. And it's going to be difficult for this to, I think, settle out. Because if you think about in the Bloodborne Pathogen Standard, there is very specific language for healthcare workers and hepatitis B. There is an option to decline it. So in this case, you have the option to decline it if you're outside of healthcare and outside of government, but you have to submit to weekly testing. The question is, until when? At what point does that end? Let's say, hopefully, and I'm going to jump out there a little ways, two years from now, we've got this under control. Uh, it's no longer the, the prime issue that we're seeing. Are we still going to be weekly testing people who are not vaccinated? Or is it after we see 90% vaccination rate in the country, do we stop because of herd immunity? Where does it end? And how much is that going to cost? So there's always the small business idea of how much does this cost? Let's say you have a lot of employees that do not want to submit to vaccination. And okay, they're going to be tested every week by these weekly tests. That's going to get expensive. It's going to get complex. It's going to get into a lot of medical information. What point do we cross that ADA standard? At what point do we have some sort of accommodation in place for maybe someone that has an off medical issue? Because right now where I see a lot of businesses going is they're asking the binary question, yes or no, are you vaccinated? So by your name, you either are yes or no in your organization or in your company. And that seems to be fine. That's going to hold up to the test. I think it's, it seems to be very prominent. It seems to be very well accepted that that can be done. Now we go forward and say, okay, well, if you're tested, how often you're going to be tested weekly? How do we manage that? Is it every seven days? Is it once during the work week? Uh, what about vacation? What about all the other items? It's going to get complex and it's going to be very difficult on employers to manage the process itself. I can see that because I'm thinking about it in my head right now of, okay, there's a lot of organizations. How do we handle this? How are we going to manage it? How are we going to uh, keep up with it? And then we look at the false positives as the rate of spread in the org organization or in your community decreases, the amount of false positives will increase. So there's going to be those, the extra insurance costs of sending people on to their own doctor to be evaluated after the fact to make sure that they don't agree that they're sick. I feel fine. 
Um, actually seen a false positive on someone who was vaccinated. So it's we are going to see those false positives and how do we deal with them for that weekly testing and how far behind are we going to be potentially for doing these weekly tests? Are there enough weekly tests? Uh, I'm looking to OSHA for that guidance on when is the enforcement going to start? What does the law look like? What does the guidance look like? There's got to be some education here. Um, they cannot just send us out there and start doing this without some form of information and education. And I'm really interested to see if we're going to support OSHA in that. Are we going to really fund it and bring in and hire and get the best and people who understand medical? Because this is this is more than just your technical trade. This is very personal at times, very passionate, and also very medically Um, even among medical professionals are highly debated. So this should be interesting. We're going to, I'm going to definitely keep my eye on it because it affects me personally and my, my business work. So we're going to watch it and we're in it together. Don't think you're out there alone. And if you have some best practices or ideas, share them. Let's see how it's going. Uh, This is going to be interesting. More podcasts coming up. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you came back with me after the break for the second half of the podcast. So the next item that came up on our radar this week was through a news story that really sparked some interest and a little bit of passion in me. So yeah, hang tight. I'm going to, this is going to be an interesting one, I think, because I really feel for what has happened here. And it's very disappointing as a safety professional when I see this and I know as I talk through this, a lot of other safety professionals are going to cringe and go, yeah, that's unfortunate and sad, and that's not what we expect from our profession. So this was a, in Colorado, this was a, a meatpacking facility, and a worker lost their arm in a piece of machinery. So a piece of machinery was still running. They, some reason, decided to reach into it. Their sleeve, because in the food industry, most of the time you're wearing full sleeves because you want to protect the food. Perfect sense. Uh, their sleeve got hung and it pulled them into the piece of equipment and took off their arm. OSHA fined them pretty significant fine, just under $200,000 for this issue. And what it came to found was one, first of all, I mean, the white elephant is lockout tag out that there was evidence that it really wasn't done well that it wasn't uh, followed up on, that the a lot of people were not using it the right way, uh, risky situations and getting used to used to having that risk and being involved in the risk was very prominent. 
that they would just, they saw a lot of people get away with it. So it just kept blooming because, Hey, no one's getting hurt doing it. So just keep doing it. You can get your arm in there and back out in time. Don't worry. Not like they were doing it all the time, but the, the availability of the risk was there and people chose to take that risk and that shortcut because they didn't see consequences and weren't educated on the consequences. And it wasn't held up as a priority of the organization. What really sparked me was they also offered, though, for those that were concerned about their sleeves or working in areas where maybe there were some additional areas of pinch point or pulling in from the cloth, that there were plastic overcovers or plastic pieces of equipment that could be put on the smock or the long sleeves to keep them from getting hung at any piece of equipment. And what the finding was is they interviewed people. No one knew these existed. So the company was touting themselves of, oh, well, we have these uh, protocols for lockout tagout that no one was following. We have these sleeve covers that are plastic that will keep people from getting hung up. We've got a store. Not that they said this, but I can see it. We have a store. Look at all the we have lots of them. We have spent thousands of dollars on this piece of PPE. And then you start asking people, do you know about this PPE? No, never heard of it. You mean we have that? Well, I'd like to have one. When do I get one? Unbelievable. And absolutely one of the most critical processes in any safety program is that the the team knows you're there for them, that they know what's available, that if they need a piece of equipment, can they get it? And this happens a lot, and it can happen especially as things, if you're not always talking about it, it falls to the wayside. And I know that seems counterintuitive. Why would people forget about their own safety at work? Well, if the focus is always on productivity, productivity is what keeps a job. If an organization does not make money, it does not meet the first need that everybody knows we should have. And that's having a job, which is that core base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We know we've got to have a job. We know that we have to make money to have food, water, and shelter. And if the company is always focused on, we'll keep the company running, keep us going, keep making money, safety's second in that hierarchy of needs. We will put ourselves at risk to assure that we have provided food, water, and shelter. This is a pretty interesting process for the human fundamental needs. And think about it. Let's go back to the hunter-gatherer days. There would be risk in going out and gathering. There would be risk in going out and hunting to get food. But it was worth it because they would put themselves at risk. Safety was not important. Eating and having shelter was important. And we come to the modern day, and that's accomplished through a very complex socioeconomic process of work. And the second half is safety. And if we're not always talking about it, and it can't just be the safety person, and it can't be just a, a sign that's hung up, and it doesn't have to be be safe or follow the safety rules. It can be as simple as saying, I don't want to see you get hurt. I do care about you. I don't want that to happen to you. I also want you to drive safe. I also want you to use a ladder safely at home. And so in this case, the equipment was there, readily available, and 
it wasn't just one person interviewed that said they didn't know this PPE existed. It evidently was not in use during visual inspections through the OSHA walkthrough. It also, during the interview session, was not something that the team acknowledged. The employees were unaware that this existed. So I really say this, that we cannot over-communicate in the safety world. At the point that someone says, man, you are really sending a lot of stuff out. Yeah, okay, we're about at the right spot because you're seeing it, you're hearing it, we're always there, we're always talking about it, and it also has to be other people talking about it. Is there a good discussion about it? I think some of the best safety starters and toolbox talks are the ones that get other people chiming in. Hey, you know, I've seen that before too. This is what I did. Those discussion starters. And so I've almost taken the process of the toolbox talk Am I great at it so far? Not perfect. No, but I'm trying to is to incorporate both knowledge and a chance to try to get a discussion started. So try to ask a question about, well, what would you do in this situation? Have you seen this situation? Does everybody know that we have these cool sleeve protectors that you can use at any time that you need them? It's important from the communication aspect, and it's so overlooked because we are doing so many other things. And we need help in making sure the communication is there from supervisors, superintendents, managers, everyone, that if they see a deficiency in someone not using something that we have available, that we fix it. We put it in their hand and say, here, try it. Go out there and give this a shot. Give us feedback. Let's fix it if we can. And it's important that we mitigate that risk which is what we do as safety professionals. We look at the risk and we try to find ways that we can fix it. And I'm sure at one point someone found those sleeve protectors like, hey, you know, we got to wear these, but they dangle. How about we get these protectors and we'll give them to people. And then somewhere along the line, it was lost, completely lost in translation. And then someone lost an arm. And when OSHA comes in, they found a huge gap. And that's not the way that any organization wants to find out they have a gap is through an injury like that. So until next time, hopefully uh, communicate some cool safety things to your team. And until next time that we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.